what kind of onward progress did Joshua make in 110 years? He lived a life that demonstrates how far you can come from where you began. I don't know what kind of ancestry you have. None of us gets to choose our ancestry, but all of us get to choose our legacy. And you can change your legacy where you finish is not determined by where you start. If you had any upgrade over being a slave in Egypt, you got a better start than Joshua. You can move onward, no excuses. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. For many months now on Resonate, we've dug deep into the book of Joshua, learning what it means to keep moving onward in the Christian life. Today, we begin the concluding message in the series and hear how Joshua was determined to leave a godly legacy for the next generation of Israelites. How can we make sure that we will leave a godly legacy for the next generation? Well, listen with me to the final message of the Onward series called, Who's Got Next? Here's Pastor Trent. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, Joshua says, "'Choose you this day whom you will serve.'" But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about this choice that we have to make. It all starts with an individual choice that begins with who? Me. It all starts right there. Nobody can choose for you. If you haven't chosen to serve the Lord, what are you waiting for? It is time for you to move onward from wherever you've been wandering to serving the Lord. But once we make that choice, that choice is going to impact what? It's going to impact my house. As for me and my house, your decision is going to uh, impact the other little me's in your home, right? And so you can make a choice that actually determines the onward progress of your house. Well, today we're going to talk about how the choices that we make and the houses that we build is going to impact the world around us. Because we found out in Joshua chapter 24, after Joshua had called the people to make the individual choice that would impact their families, we finally get to verse 28, and Joshua sent the people away. Every man to his inheritance. Go live out this service in the geographical territory that you occupy. Now, I am of a generation that uh, was introduced when I was a teenager to a room that looked like this. How many of you are of that generation? You remember walking into a room and seeing the glory of a Pac-Man machine, or an Asteroids, or Galaga, or Tempest. Anybody want to keep going? I mean, that was a glorious thing. And uh, if you were like me, you walked in, that was a crowded room at the local video arcade, and there were people standing in line waiting to get on a machine, and there was a little tradition, if you wanted to be the next person to get a game, do you remember what you would do? You take a quarter out, and you put it on the machine. 
And there might be as many as 10 or 20 quarters lined up, but whenever the next quarter was yours, it was your turn to play. And the question at the arcade was this, who's got next? How many of you are familiar with that phrase? Who's got next? I've tried to say that to some older people in our church. They have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, uh, maybe it wasn't a video machine for you. Maybe it was on a basketball court. You'd show up for a pickup basketball game, and there's people wanting to get on the court, but there's only one court, there's only two hoops, and you had to wait in turn. But the implication to the question of who's got next is this. After you're done, there's somebody else who's going to do it better than you right? No matter what the high score was on the video game, there's somebody standing in line that's not intimidated by your onward progress on that game. They think they're going to get the next high score. And so that's what we're talking about here. All of the book of Joshua has been about this onward progress, but we finally get to the next chapter, and here's what we're going to learn tonight. Our journey is not finished until we pass the truth Onward to the next generation. Our journey, no matter how far you've come, you are not finished until you pass the truth onward to the next generation. Now, in the book of Joshua, onward is measured in very tangible ways. It is measured by square footage. It is measured by the number of giants killed. It's measured by the number of miles they've traveled and how much time they've occupied and how much plunder they have uh, gotten from neighboring cities that they have conquered. Now, that's not our battle. The book of Joshua is preserved for us as an example of what a person can do by faith moving onward from wherever you are to conquer some territory God wants you to occupy by faith and obedience. You see, our onward progress is not measured by square footage or miles or time. Our onward progress is measured by faith, obedience, worship, and the victories over sin and temptation. That's the lesson for you and I. We still need to move onward. And um, for me, as I've studied this, and I feel like Joshua's just become a friend to me, I've been challenged by the book of Joshua to think in terms of what's next. Who's got next? And so as I've thought about me and my house, it's very natural for me to think about who is the next generation of Griffith that needs the truth passed on to them? And so it's not easy for me to see five little Griffiths running around that, hey, you, you guys realize you're next. You're up next. You need to go places that I haven't been able to, to go, and you need to do things that I haven't been able to do. You've got next. Are you going to carry the baton? Are you going to continue to go onward even after I'm gone? But not just my family, outside of my family, outside of my house. It's real easy for me as I've been thinking about the onward progress and the next generation of disciples that need to be made in our church. We are not interested in a quantity of disciples. 
We are interested in in giving our lives for a quality of discipleship, but I always love to follow that up by saying we are not opposed to a large quantity of quality disciples around here, right? We want to reach as many people as possible because it's our mandate to make disciples. And so as I study the book of Joshua, I'm thinking, what are we going to do as a church to make the next generation of disciples? Where are the next generation of leaders? I loved what we just did to recognize God is raising men up to give leadership, to move the church onward to the next territory we need to conquer. I've thought about the next generation of churches that need to be planted. We saw, if you were here on time, you saw the Liberian people. There are eight Harvest Bible chapels in Liberia that are, have been planted. It's the next generation. And the question is, where's the next Harvest Bible Chapel going to be planted? And what are we going to do about that? So we need to always be thinking about what's next. By God's grace, Harvest will be a place where the next generation of leaders and disciples and churches are always What's next? People are standing in line saying, I've got next. How about you? Is that you? Are you ready to move onward as a part of what God's doing here? Now, as we get into the scripture, and we're about to read it here in just a minute. I've waited way too long to read the Bible, but one more comment here. As we get into it, I want you to think on two different levels tonight, okay? Because we need to think about um, the onward implications for our families, for our children. We touched on this a little bit last week, but there are some onward implications to what we're about to read, but there are some onward implications not only for our families, there are some onward implications for our church family. So I want you to be thinking about the little me's in your house, but I want you to be thinking beyond your house and how all of the houses that make up Harvest Bible Chapel, how are we going to move onward? What's next for Harvest? Who's got next? So let's first of all think about the, imp the onward implications for our children. Let me just say this uh, as we jump into it here, okay? If you are a parent and you think that it is the responsibility of Michelle Helmkamp and Tyler Downing to disciple your children, you are sadly mistaken. If you think they can do in one hour on Wednesday night or a week of vacation Bible school what you haven't been able to do in the 167 other hours that they live with you or the other 51 weeks that they spend with you, um, you are delusional. Here's what we want to understand tonight. It is a parent's responsibility to pass the truth onward to the next generation of people in your home. It is the church's responsibility to come alongside of parents and to create an environment where we help and we serve and maybe we're kind of a safety net in some situations where God uses different people in different ways. We want to be a ministry and offer that, but it's a parent's responsibility to pass the truth from one generation to the next in your home. It is the church's responsibility to pass the truth onward 
to the hearts and lives of parents that are not even yet in our church. And so there's implications for our families, there's implications for our church. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said this, the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world it leaves to its children. What are we doing about who's next? And how are we moving onward? We're going to jump into the Scripture. Let me give you the point here, and then we'll read. First of all, if we're going to make the next generation of disciples, we need to model what it looks like to know God. Let's see it here from Joshua chapter 24. Let's begin reading in verse 29. After these things, what things? Everything in the previous 23 chapters. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, I always think that's sad that Joshua was the son of Nun. Anyway, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. How many of you here are 55 years and younger? Raise your hand proudly, as long as you can, okay? Now, can you imagine reaching your 55th birthday and realizing you just reached halftime? Joshua was given 110 years. Now, I want you to think about the onward progress Joshua made in 110 years. 110 years ago, Joshua was born as a slave in Egypt. 110 years later, Joshua dies as a victorious warrior enjoying the promised land. What kind of onward progress did Joshua make in 110 years? He lived a life that demonstrates how far you can come from where you began. I don't know what kind of ancestry you have. None of us gets to choose our ancestry but all of us get to choose our legacy. And you can change your legacy where you finish is not determined by where you start. If you had any upgrade over being a slave in Egypt, you got a better start than Joshua. You can move onward, no excuses. And so some of us had some horrible ancestors and bad track records and bad parenting, and yet Joshua overcame all of that. And, and why? Because of the demonstration of two things God said you must have if you're going to move onward. We learned it in the very first chapter. What were they? Joshua, you must be strong and courageous. That's the way that you make it 110 years from being a slave in Egypt to a victorious warrior in a land of promise. And so it says, after these things, Joshua died, and they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath-Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the Mount Gaash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work of the Lord that the Lord did for Israel. And it tells us about they 
took the bones of Joseph, and it tells us about Eleazar. He was that priest that kind of negotiated uh, when there was almost a civil war. We read about those things. Now, this is what I want you to do. We are now finished with the book of Joshua, but I want you to turn, probably in your Bible, two pages. We are now in the book of Judges, and I want you to find chapter 2. And I want us to read what it says beginning in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel each went to his inheritance to take possession of the land. Verse 7, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. Is, does this sound familiar? This is identical to the last few verses in the book of Joshua. And he goes on in verse 9. They buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ethereum, north of the mountain of Gaash. And then he adds this comment in verse 10. What happened next? And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That's a kind way of saying they died too. They were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. That generation did not receive the knowledge of the Lord. We're not told what happened, but at some point there was a failure in the previous generation to make known to the next generation all that God had done. Now, it's not just about passing on head knowledge, but it is about modeling what it looks like to know the Lord. It's not an ACT Bible test. It's not a Bible quiz. It's not Bible trivia that is going to make the difference in the next generation. It's going to be when they see someone who has the knowledge live it out in a way that says, I want to serve the Lord the same way you served the Lord. That's what Joshua had done. Do you think it's significant that for 110 years, that generation had a model to follow in Joshua, but when Joshua died and all the elders died, apparently there was no model to follow at that point? Now, do you know what a model is? I mean, think about that. You know what a model is? A model is someone who wears something and makes it look so good you want it too. Has that ever happened to you? I'm right now I am modeling this jacket. <laughs> I'm like, he looks good tonight, you know? Where'd he get that? I, 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 want one, I want one of those. And hopefully, the best thing that I model for you is not a coat. Hopefully, the best thing I model for you is how to live a life that knows God. How do you live and survive in a world with all of its aches and pains and temptations and trials and the sufferings of this life 
and all of the obstacles and all of the enemies, do you know what Joshua modeled? He modeled strength and he modeled courage. And he modeled faith and he modeled what it looked like to move onward. On uh, Thursday uh, morning, I was in my office and a dear member of our church came to the office and she was so excited. She just said, I had to come to the church and I had to tell the pastor what happened last night. And she told me a story. She said, uh, she said uh, two years ago, um, my husband lost his job. It was a very prominent position and, and he's a very qualified man and, and just kind of for some unknown reason, that job was taken away and he was, he was jobless and he had to start the job search and and all the while, they were living for the Lord, they were serving the Lord, and, and, and there were question marks in their mind why the Lord would allow this job to be taken away. And as they were processing the book of Joshua, as they were processing the, the, the numerous times that God had told the people, do not forsake the Lord. Do not abandon the Lord to serve other gods with little g's. For the first time, it clicked in their mind. And the wife said to the husband, I think I know why the Lord took your job away. Quite honestly, your job was your God. And how good was God to take away the other God so that two years later we could walk knowing Him, more intimate with Him, more in love with Him than we have ever been and seeing all the onward progress in our life that never would have happened if the God with the big G hadn't decapitated the God with the little g. And as they were sharing this story, they were just filled with joy saying, this is, this, we're just so grateful for the trial. And even though we didn't understand it at the time, what were they doing? They were modeling to their family, to their children, and even to their church what it means, what it looks like to know God, even in a difficult circumstance. Do you model to your children what it looks like to know God? And to walk with God and to discern the ways of God? Or is it when something goes wrong, you get mad at God? Because you just don't really know him or trust him the way that Joshua trusted him and knew him. And so we can model for our children what it looks like to know God. Here's the second thing. Speak often about what the Lord has done for you. Again, look here in Judges chapter 2 and uh, verse 10. All that generation who gathered to their were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or notice the work that he had done for Israel. Now, we've spent the last 17 weeks studying and speaking of the work that the Lord had done for Israel. Do you remember? All that the Lord had done. Let me just give you a little reminder. It was God that called Joshua to be strong and courageous. At that point, Israel was leaderless because Moses had just died. Now, it's interesting here that Joshua and the elders 
called attention to what the Lord had done for Israel. Do you think it was a temptation for Joshua to take any credit for what was done? I mean, all of this happened under his leadership. But what he wanted that generation to know, it wasn't Joshua that did these things. Joshua is not the hero of the book of Joshua. God is the hero of the book of Joshua. And it was God that called Joshua and gave him the strength and gave him the courage to go onward. Do you remember the story of Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute. Can you imagine all the shame, all the guilt, all the sexual abuse that she'd experienced? And yet God was so gracious to rescue her out of that land and then use Rahab to rescue the spies that had come in? Do you remember that it was God that cut off the waters of the Jordan and allowed them to cross over on dry ground? It was God that caused the walls of Jericho to fall. It was God that exposed the sin of Achan, and it was God that gave them victory over Ai in game two. And um, it was God that made the sun stand still. It was God that gave strength to 85-year-old Caleb that gave him the strength of a 40-year-old. It was God that gave the, the, the 12 tribes the land, and it was God that gave the land rest, and it was God that made every promise come true, and it was God that gave them a land on which they had not labored and cities that they had not built. That's the story of Joshua. And the next generation didn't know what you now know. Because it wasn't spoken of. The story wasn't told. And we read the book of Joshua, we have to understand that the book of Joshua models for us what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We learned early that the word Joshua is actually the same word translated into Greek as Jesus. It just simply means God saves and so we read the book of Joshua, and we have to think and we have to speak of what Jesus has done for us that's modeled for us in the book of Joshua. Do you understand? You and I were Rahab, guilty as Rahab, guilty as a prostitute, as worthy of judgment as a prostitute. And you and I were Achan who had sinned and stood worthy of death, worthy of every stone that God would bury us with. And yet, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, you can stone me and treat me as if I was as guilty as Achan, so that all of those modern-day Achans and all of those modern-day Rahabs could be forgiven and set free. Is that the kind of stories that you tell in your home and remind your children of? This is the great thing that God has done for us. We need to speak often of what Jesus has done on the cross. And then not just that, but the daily practical things that God does every day to prove that God is fighting for us. Do you understand that God is still fighting for you? And do you see him at work all around you? Well, it's hard to imagine that after all God had done for the nation of Israel, the next generation never heard about who the Lord was or what he had done. So how can we make sure that doesn't happen to our next generation? 
Pastor Trent Griffith taught us today that we need to model what it looks like to know God and speak often of what He has done for us. Join us next week for the conclusion of this message and one final thing we must do to ensure who's got next. We also invite you to join us for a weekend worship service at Harvest Bible Chapel at either our Granger, Indiana campus or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. You can find service times and campus locations on our website, harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.